0: The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. Well, let me invite you to take your copy of God's Word and open to the book of First Timothy, uh, First Timothy chapter 4. We'll be there this morning. We're going to look at about five verses, uh, First Timothy 4, verses 6 through 10. We continue uh, for at least a couple more weeks just in this Life on Mission series. Um, I just want to extend just my gratitude to you uh, as a church family, um, the passing of my grandfather and your graciousness uh, and understanding of my being away. My, my grandfather, um, I never called him grandfather. Uh, I called him Papaw. Um, Papaw was the most godly man I've ever known in my life. Papal pointed me to Christ. He was the first person and the most steady person uh, in my life as far as demonstrating Christ to me. And um, I, I just want to thank you for your understanding and allowing me to be away. And uh, many of you prayed for me as I preached my grandfather's funeral. And uh, I just want to say thank you. I love you. Uh, but it's, it's good to be back. We were in Toronto uh, the week after that uh, on our mission trip there. And uh, had a great week there. Uh, apart from trying to find a, a replacement tire for the bus on Sunday in Buffalo, New York. It was a great trip. Um, That is harder than you might think. Um, So, for Christians, for those who know Christ as their Savior, who trust in Him as their only hope of being forgiven and made right with God, for us, the the game's not over once we come to know Him as Savior. Um, Godliness is the goal. Godliness is the goal of our lives Uh, Godliness can be defined as being like God. Now, obviously, there are some limits to that. We're not going to be like God in every way. We're not going to be like God in His divinity. You and I can't walk on water. We can't raise people from the dead. We can't do those things that we saw Jesus do in His Godness. But the Bible does tell us that we can be like Him in our hearts, in our minds, in our actions. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 3 tells us that all things that are needed for life and for godliness have been granted to us in the knowledge of Christ, the one whom God sent to be our Savior. And so we have everything we need to, to be godly, to strive toward godliness. That's why the Bible speaks of the fact that we will be conformed to the image of Christ. This is godliness that we will be more and more like Jesus in this life, Romans eight twenty nine tells us that for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that we he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And, and that those words there, he has predestined us to, to be conformed to the image of Christ. If that's true, if it's going to happen regardless for those who are in Christ, then the question is. Why don't we just coast it in? Why should we put forth any effort at all? If, if God has said, for those whom I foreknew, I've also predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. Why don't we just coast it in? Why don't we just, hey, claim Jesus as our Savior and then just live? Well, The reality is we cannot do that because the Spirit now lives within us and produces a desire within us for godliness. I grew up in in um, Sevierville, Tennessee. You know anything about Sevierville? You know it's the bordering town of Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg and this was a great place to grow up. Didn't know how great it was till I was gone from there. I've been gone since 1994 uh, but uh, grew up there and and uh, my first job uh, was in a breakfast restaurant called Country Girl Breakfast. Not real masculine but anyway that's what I did and uh I was, uh, I, I was the dishwasher. I would bust the tables and, and wash dishes. And my friend, I had a few friends that worked there with me. We'd go to work at um, 6.30 or 7 o'clock in the morning, get there, begin to, to work. And we'd work till the breakfast rush was over. And the restaurant would close down somewhere around 11, 11.30. And uh, then it would reopen at night. And it went from country girl breakfast to Big John's Pizza. Don't know how that works. But anyway, it's a tourist town. And uh, my friends and I, we'd work till 11, 11.30, and we would, uh, we would get our paychecks, and, uh, and we would go out and we would ride the trolleys. If you've been to Pigeon you know the trolleys run up and down everywhere, and you could get on a trolley for a quarter. And you, we, we'd go all over the place. And my boss provided for us uh, passes to Dollywood, so we'd go to Dollywood on these trolleys. And our, our parents had no clue where we were, and this, these are different days. Um, but one of the things we would do is not only go to Dollywood and go to the arcades, but we would go to, to ride go-karts. And uh, anybody ever rode the go karts in Pigeon Forge? Yeah. All right. I grew up on those and uh, knew how to take the corners, all that kind of stuff. And uh, when I would, there was, you'd go around the track and they gave you so many laps. And at the, the fancier go kart tracks, you'd, you'd come around to that final lap and the, the stoplight there would go from green to yellow, meaning that you had one more lap. And the inexperienced go kart riders would take that seriously. But not I. That didn't mean slow down and get ready to pull it into the pits. That meant you're on a go-kart. Get the most out of this last lap you can possibly get, right? And, man, I would go around through there, and I was, you know, those the, the employees that worked those. I mean, God bless them. Um, I knew some of those guys in high school. They, one, one guy came in one day with a broken leg. All these people run over you there, and, and a lot of them were like me. Get the most out of that last lap you can possibly get. In fact, and then even when, when you come around to the end of that last lap, you're supposed to slow down so that you can turn and glide into your lane and slowly come to a stop. Don't unfasten your seatbelt or stand up till all go-karts have come to a full and complete stop. All that, right? I can't tell you how many times I crashed into the back of the guy in front of me because I was getting all that I could out of this last lap, Right? The reality is, the reason was because I was on a go-kart. And for a 13, 14-year-old kid on a go-kart, that's a big deal. How much bigger a deal should it be that the God of the universe, who is infinitely glorious, has been so compassionate to invite us into a relationship with Him, And calls us then, empowers us then, to be like Him. We're not on a go-kart. But we do have the Spirit of God that resides within us. This is why we don't coast it in. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness. Without which no one will see the Lord. For the Christian, there can never be a time where we say, done, the yellow light's on, I'm going to coast it around and come in slowly. Instead, for every believer, no matter your age or your position, your, your however long you've called yourself a Christian, none of us get to put it on coast. This striving, this refusal to coast is often called Spiritual discipline. We've been talking about living on mission, uh, and and for the past several weeks, we've looked at God's original design and how sin has entered that world and and brought about brokenness. And this design that God started is not like it once was when in Genesis 1 and 2, he called it good over and over and over again. Now it's broken because of, of sin in the world, and you and I live in the midst of this brokenness as those who have been rescued. We live rescued because of Christ. If you're a believer here, you you have been rescued by Christ. Now, if you're here and you don't know Christ as Lord, then the time's not up for you. The game's not over for you either because you have the opportunity today to receive that rescue from Christ. But we live in in the middle of this brokenness as those who are rescued and we're heading back to God's Design one day when he restores all of creation to his original glory for his own glory. But the reality is we live on mission in the midst of this, without a disciplined life, without these spiritual disciplines, without a without a Christian saying, I will not coast, I will not just put it up, shut it down and just ride it in. You and I will, will not finish well. We will be swept away by the culture around us will be swept away by the, the thoughts rather than living on mission a Christian will find themselves swept away with a cultural tide but even now as I talk about um, spiritual discipline and working hard and not coasting there are some of you that um, that right now are just bemoaning the topic for the day you're, you're hating the fact that you actually came today because he's going to talk about spiritual discipline and, man, I know I don't do what I should and I'm just going to leave on a guilt trip and is there any way I can sneak out right now and no one will notice? Well, not now, because I just said that. You get up now and everybody's going to think that's what you're doing. So um, I apologize if you didn't make it to the restroom before you came in. <laughs> um, how, many, how many of you how many of you just really like exercise? just really like to exercise. Raise your hands high. Do you really like exercise? Okay. All right, put your hands down. How many of you just really dislike those people that just raised their hands in the like, See, I, you guys should repent. You should love your brothers and sisters. Sorry, I set you up. The reality is we, we come to the issue of discipline and some of us approach it a little differently than others and some of us we, we look at that and we say, Yes, because that's something that I can get my hands on and I can get my hands dirty in that and yes I can be disciplined. And others of us, oh I'm just tired, weary, I'm no good at this. And you've suffered defeat so many times, you hear a sermon like this and you just want to say, I'm hopeless. I would suggest that the reason for these attitudes potentially is because there is a lack of understanding of spiritual discipline. Uh, I'm going to take a lot of what I'm going to give you today from Donald Whitney. uh, Most of it from the text of scripture that we're going to be in this morning. But Donald Whitney is a professor um, at Southern Seminary. Uh, He's written a classic book, Spiritual Disciplines. And uh, I'm planning on it in, in the next few weeks. And you'll hear more about that on Wednesday evenings. Uh, I'm going to walk through the spiritual disciplines from his book together so that we can learn about this. So uh, be looking for that. But Donald Whitney said, discipline without direction tends to become drudgery. And so if, if you don't understand this issue of spiritual discipline and you don't understand what it's supposed to take you to and what it's supposed to accomplish in your life, this issue of discipline for you just becomes drudgery. Discipline without direction becomes drudgery. And in these five verses that we'll look at this morning, I want to give you some things that discipline is, but then also tell you some things that discipline is not. And hopefully this will help us to be people that are disciplined as we refuse to coast it in. So let's look at our passage together. 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. If you put these things, Paul's writing to Timothy, if you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. And I want to give you this morning um, six or seven of these things that discipline is and at the same time tell you what it's not. First off, spiritual discipline is specific. It's not general, it's specific. Um, In verse 6 there, if you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and the good doctrine that you have followed. There are plenty of spiritual practices that the world offers to us. If you haven't noticed, our world, while they may reject Uh, In in so many ways, our God and biblical Christianity, our world is increasingly becoming more and more spiritual. And the world is not short on offering to us spiritual practices. Some of these spiritual practices, being unbiblical, have worked their way even inside the church. There have been churches that uh, that have offered things like labyrinth walking where you have this, uh, this, all these stations set up and you walk from station to station and you have this spiritual experience and you have to come out of this thing. Um, spiritual experiences the world offers are things like communing with nature. How many times have you heard someone say, I don't need to go to church. I, just, I, I can worship God out in creation, right? I, I, can, I, I see God there. And what you're saying is I reject God's authority over me and I don't need anyone else. I'll just go and be with nature. Even, even shopping, the world offers even shopping as a spiritual experience. I did a little research on this and, and Googled shopping as a spiritual experience. And, uh, and uh, it, it exists. This is, people claim that this is a uh, spiritual experience. In fact, in, in a blog post, uh, Shopping as a Spiritual Adventure by April Benson from shopaholicnomore.com says this, Try being consciously aware of your car. Making the effort to experience the sensation of sitting in your car and driving. Realizing your good fortune in owning a car. And doing your errands on foot are all ways to be consciously aware of what owning a car means beyond its function. i have just be honest with you. Shopping has never been a spiritual experience for me. In fact, it is the most exhausting thing I can possibly do in the world, Right? I don't know what it is. I, I, I can go and go and go at certain activities, but I go shopping with my wife, and I'm in some department store, and we're walking around, and within, within three minutes, my knees begin to hurt. And man, it's, do, they, do they believe in air conditioning in this story? It's hot. In here. And all of a sudden, my eyes start to dry out, and they get red and itchy, and I begin to sneeze and all these sort of things. And, I'm allergic to shopping. It's never been a spiritual experience to me. But for some, apparently, it is a spiritual experience. The world has no shortage of of what it offers to us as how we can become closer to God. But Paul's emphasis here is not on some extra-biblical practice of how we might become closer to God. Instead, his emphasis is, from this verse, verse 6, That we be trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. It's specific, it's not general. We shouldn't make spiritual discipline or spirituality to be more or less than what it is. Spiritual disciplines are not confusing, they're not mystical. God calls us to spiritual discipline, and he tells us what they are. The Bible identifies certain spiritual disciplines that are practices whereby you and I can become more like God. Don Whitney, in his book, Spiritual Disciplines, identifies just a few. Let me give them to you. He, He identifies them as Bible intake, prayer, worship, fasting, serving, evangelism, stewardship, silence and solitude, fellowship, journaling, and learning. And these are spiritual disciplines that he identifies from scripture. He admits that there are probably more than this. But what I would submit to you is that there are not more than what the Bible identifies for us. That God's word is sufficient for us to become godly. You think about the people on earth that have uh, have been spiritual giants. Think about Apostle Paul and uh, Peter, and then you come to more modern days, you look at people like Billy Graham and others, and and what you and I need to realize is that they didn't have one single tool in the toolbox more than what you and I have. They didn't have one ounce more of the Spirit than what you and I have as believers. That these people that we look to as, man, they're godly. The same resources that are at our fingertips. And God gives us these as practical tools that we can use. Jesus practiced these. And part of what becoming more like God should be to us is becoming more and more like Jesus. So if Jesus practiced these things, then so should we. I mean, how many times do you read in, in the Gospels how Jesus often got alone to be with God? And so you and I should get alone to be with God. How many times do you read how Jesus was found in the synagogue on the Sabbath day being with God's people? So likewise, preaching to the choir today, you and I should make it a priority to be in the place where God's people gather on the Lord's day. And Jesus did those things, so we should do those things. In doing so, our hearts begin to change and we, become, we begin to love what he loved. We begin to live more for the glory of God. We begin to have more affection, more concern for the needy, for those who mourn We weep with them. So these spiritual disciplines are specific, they're not general. But secondly, they are intentional, they're not accidental. Spiritual disciplines are intentional, not accidental. Uh, He says there in the last part of verse 6, these good doctrines that you have followed. You can't follow someone or something by accident. I know there have probably been times where you've been out somewhere and you keep bumping into the same person and you say, are you following me? Are you stalking me or something? And that happens sometimes, but you can't follow something by accident. We're using the GPS in, in the, while we're in the greater Toronto area. And, and traffic there is not real good and all this sort of thing it really was better this time than it was last but I'm following the, the GPS and I'm driving the bus and I'm following this GPS and even following closely I thought the GPS I had to turn around several times we, we, we go to cross the border from, from Buffalo, New York and we go to cross the border into Canada and I'm driving the bus and I miss the bus lane not a good way to start your trip to Canada the the guard comes out and says, You gotta back this thing up. You're pastor, you should be proud. Back the bus out of the border crossing, right? I mean, you know how loud that thing beeps? <laughs> One of the guards finally came out to me. I think he had pity on me and he said, Do you even know where you are at this moment? <laughs> eh? Right? And I said, yes, I actually know where I am at this moment. I don't know where the bus is supposed to be at this moment. And he was gracious and he helped me. You can't follow someone by accident. What Paul here is pointing Timothy 2 is that when you follow, you must pay attention. That spiritual discipline will not happen accidentally. It will require intentionality. You must pay attention and intentionally, verse 6 says, follow some things. The, The teaching and the good doctrine." And then verse 7 says that you must pay attention and intentionally avoid some things. Stay away from irreverent, silly myths. And if you and I are going to follow God and become more like Him, it will take intentionality on our part. The the word there in verse 7, when he says rather train yourself, the word train in the original is what commentators call a sweaty word. It's a word that has the smell of the gym on it. In fact, the word itself is where we get our word, gymnasium. Uh, Anybody ever have a uh, teenage boy that played football in middle school or high school and have to have them get back in the car? You had a brother or sister that played and they'd get back in the car? There's not a worse smell on the planet than that. But the reason it smells so bad is because they worked so hard. Right? They worked so hard and that's that's the picture you need with this word. You train yourself. The disciplines are verbs. They are not traits. The spiritual uh, the fruit of the Spirit are traits, but the spiritual disciplines are verbs. You must work at them. You pray. For most of us, we would say, I don't pray as easily as I should. It doesn't come as naturally as it should to me. You read the Bible, and some of you would say, "Man, I want to do a better job at reading the Bible." I start every January first, and I say I'm going to read through the Bible every year. And I, you know, I get to, you know, Leviticus or whatever, and I just, I lose track, and and I'm done. Right? You work at those things, but you don't work at the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are what show up as a result of that labor. It's, the fruits of the Spirit are, are um, the, the results of the reality of the Spirit living within you. But the Spirit produces within you love and joy and peace and so on. You don't, you don't say, I'm going to be joyful today, right? You don't grit your teeth and say, I'm going to be joyful. Instead, the Spirit produces joy within you. You. Try, you strive for joy and then go out and get on 85 and go to work in the morning, right? I mean, it's just not going to really turn out so well for you. But as you work in these spiritual disciplines, you train yourself for the purpose of godliness, you will begin to see that the Spirit of God will begin to produce joy within you, love within you, peace, and so on. But disciplines are things that you must do. in Hebrews 5:14, but solitude is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to, to distinguish good from evil. So spiritual disciplines are something that will be intentional, not accidental. Third, spiritual disciplines are the means, not the end. They are the means, not the end. Verse 7 there toward the end, at the very end of verse 7, says, Train yourself for godliness. So spiritual disciplines are the means, but the end is godliness. When we were in Toronto and we discovered that our tire um, on the driver's side back axle there of the bus uh, had this really nice, like, you know, strike right in the center of it. That was bald. Didn't have the same kind of tread as the outside of the tire. Well, you know, we had to begin to search for a tire, and uh, nowhere in Canada stocks that tire. And I went to their store up there, Canadian Tire, and uh, have stores all over the place. Search their database; nobody cares that tire. So we thought, well, well, we'll get across the border. We'll get into New York, and uh, certainly somebody in the U.S. You know, will will have this tire, right? And uh, we would go to. Like five or six different stores with Pet Boys and Firestone and all these places finally find the tire at, at a Firestone but nobody will put it on the bus. Uh, they all, you know, finally they'll sell I'll sell you the tire but we won't put it on the bus. This is great. You know, like how, you know, there's a ride down the road, you know, holding this thing out the window. It doesn't work that way, right? So I, I think, I go to the Pet Boys that we, we can't put it on unless you can get the, the wheel off of the bus then we'll put it on the rim for you and then you can put it back on. So I, look around on the shelves and there's this three-ton jack on the shelf and so I buy this jack I go outside and it's got a clearance that won't get the, the bus up off the ground without going to a different part of the the the, the bus and we, we finally get the bus up in the air we yank this rim off get the tire put on as they're closing get it put back on I tell you that story because the tire was not the end get through all of that and we're exhausted and I'm black and covered in grease and so's Austin and so's Ethan and, and we're we, it, the Powell kids were great they're out there cheering us on you know in the parking lot and all this kind of stuff you know and it was great but the tire was not the end 2461 Avenue Creek Road was the end right And that's what I want you to see is that spiritual disciplines are not the end. They are the means. The end is godliness. The end is that that we would be godly, like God. Don't miss the fact the Pharisees treated the disciplines as the end. Oh, they did everything. Oh, we pray, we tithe, we do all these things. What did Jesus say about them? You are whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. Doing these things is not the end. If that's how you see these things of reading your Bible and praying and attending worship, you are simply checking a box and wondering why you are not becoming more godly. Because you're treating the means as the end. The goal of the disciplines is godliness. To become more and more like Jesus in affections and thoughts and actions. And let me just read to you Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 7. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Now all those things are hard things. They will require effort. They are verbs, not traits. But in the end, the goal is for us to have the mind of Christ, to grow in Godliness. These disciplines are the means given by God to experience him. Donald Whitney said, you can't be like him if you're not often with him. And if you're with Him often, that will make you more and more like Him. I think I'm on number four. I'm on number four. Okay. The spiritual disciplines are spiritual, not physical. They're spiritual, not physical. In verse 8, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Um, and The point here is that disciplines... There were some in, in Paul's day teaching that there were certain things you could do and certain things you could not do. And what they were doing is they were leaving from the gospel of grace and going off to a, to a, a, a works-based faith. And, uh, and what Paul is saying here is the spiritual disciplines, don't confuse them with some form of asceticism. Whereby you are denying yourself certain luxuries mm-hmm. and, and, and things that you might enjoy so that you might become Godly, avoiding all indulgences in, in, in order to achieve some level of spirituality. I, I've used this example before, but I'll use it again. Um, somewhere in church history a long time ago, there was a, a man known as St. Simeon Stylites. Um, who lived for 39 years on top of a little platform on top of a high pole. By himself, just on top of his platform, 39 years. Something came across Facebook last night and it was this beautiful like hut out in the middle of some beautiful island and and said, if you didn't have any internet or, or, or phone, could you live here for a month? A month? 39 years on top of a pole. They would hoist his food up to him. They would hoist his waste down from him. Paul says, this is not what you're after. You're not trying to, to do certain things or not do certain things so that people will look at you and say, oh, look at how spiritual that guy is. He lived on a pole for 39 years. Like, I'm just wondering, like, what is that really? I don't understand the thinking. That's just me being transparent. Colossians 2 verse 23 says, These Talking of these ascetic type of activities, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion. I guarantee you there were people walking that in his day that watched him on top of this pole for thirty-nine years and went, "Man, I want to be like that guy." Right? Never mind. They thought, "That's man. Look at that dude. He's spiritual." Now, as far as I know, that's the only one. He's the only one pulled the trigger on it. Colossians 2 says it has an appearance of wisdom. Maybe not for everyone, but for some, it has an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You know what St. Simeon was still stuck with while he was on that pole for 39 years? His sinful cravings. His wandering eyes. His lustful heart. His ungrateful spirit. Living on top of a pole didn't do anything to rid him of those. But God has given us some disciplines whereby he says, follow these, practice these, sweat at these, and watch what I do in your life. I don't have time to read you a bunch of scriptures, but he goes on and he says that, that bodily training is some value, but godliness is value, valuable in every way. It has benefits both in the here and in the future. Just a couple of these. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Spiritual disciplines train us to be content with what God has provided for us. It gives us a new perspective so that we can live in this world with little. And this is what Paul had in mind when he wrote in, in, uh, in, in 1 Timothy 4, uh, 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can live with little, I can live with much, right? But he also says that it will have advantage in the life to come. Matthew 6, says, seek first the kingdom of God and the righteousness and, and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Maybe not in this world, but when you and I strive toward godliness, refusing to coast it in, God says, I will benefit you here and I will benefit you there. Maybe not here in exactly all the ways that we would want, but he says, I, I will bless you. Next, and i, I, I got to hurry through these. In verse 9, Spiritual disciplines are expected; they're not optional. Um, the word "train" there is an imperative; it's not an indicative. It's 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 a command. I'll just read to you again Hebrews twelve fourteen that I started with: strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That there is an expectation that we will grow in godliness. I'm afraid that there are a lot of people that want a Savior but don't want a Lord. But the reality is that if we truly are saved, the Spirit will produce within us a a hunger to to grow in godliness. Uh, Spiritual disciplines are a marathon, they're not a sprint. Verse 10 there, uh, for to this end we toil and strive. The picture here is uh, in following God and, and, and laboring at these spiritual disciplines, we are to be more like the tortoise than the hare. We're to just stay at it. When we fail, we, by God's Spirit, we get back up. And yeah, I started this reading plan, and man, it's been, it's been five days, and I haven't read anything. I'm so far behind. Pick it back up and read it. The goal, remember, is godliness. Not checking off some box that I read through my Bible a year. Paul says, for to this end we toil and strive. Paul's words there mean hard work that makes a person tired. Paul knew what this was, to work to the point of exhaustion and then work some more for the glory of God. We will never outgrow the need for these disciplines. Now, with everything I've told you, that would be awful news without the rest of verse 7 for the purpose of godliness. If we did not know that these were producing godliness in us, if we did not know that it's in the disciplines that we encounter God, the news of you're never going to outgrow these disciplines would be just drudgery. But instead, knowing that they produce godliness and knowing that it's there in the reading of our Bibles and in praying and in worship and in stewardship and in these spiritual disciplines, it's there that we encounter God. Almost out of time, but I just wish you'd have known my papa. And I know everybody's partial to their grandparents, but... I wish you'd have known my papa. I, man, from my earliest days, he was talking to me about the Lord. From my earliest days, he was my RA leader, he was my Sunday school teacher. We'd go to his house for Thanksgiving and he'd make us stand around the kitchen and hold hands and tell what we were thankful for. And I hated it. Family. <laughs> right? not sure God was very glorified in that response, but. So <laughs> the day my grandfather died, he was practicing these disciplines. And the longer he practiced these disciplines, I don't know that he would tell you today that, boy, they just got easier. But I think he would tell you the more he wanted to be there. Because it was there that he encountered the Lord. Lastly is this. These spiritual disciplines are grace-driven. They are not works accomplished. Grace-driven, not works accomplished. That's why Paul ends the way he does. He tells you, you've got to work. You've got you to strive, Timothy. But don't ever forget that we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Paul is not preaching some extra gospel. Instead, what he's pointing to here, here is the fact that when you have been saved, that it produces in you a desire to work. There's a lot in this passage, in, and maybe questions come out, but I don't have time for all those. I'll simply say this, that our hope, our confident expectation, it's not our hope, you know, the restaurant has the the dish that I hope they have today or I hope it doesn't rain or I hope this its, man, it's I'm confident and I'm expecting this our confident expectation is already settled on the living God John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever will believe in him will not perish but will have everlasting life our hope is settled That settled hope produces grateful action. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Part of those works are the disciplines toward godliness. So here's your application and I'm done. There is a danger. Donald Whitney in his book says there is a danger in neglecting these spiritual disciplines. And he, he two dangers. One, it may reveal that you really aren't a Christian. If, if you can live your life and there is no desire to, 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 to strive and push forward and you just want to coast it in, it may be revealing to you that you are not truly a believer. And I say may, because I don't want to stand up here and, and hurl out these, these, uh, these doubt grenades. But I, I do want you to take serious stock. The second danger is that if you neglect these spiritual disciplines, you'll miss God. And for the Christian, that's the biggest Danger. You'll miss God. Because it's in these disciplines that you will experience Him. And then the second point of application for you today is this. There is freedom in embracing them. Um, Oftentimes we talk about discipline and we say, Discipline doesn't create freedom, It, it creates restraint, right? Well, let me just illustrate it this way. I can't sit down at that piano and play you anything that you would want to listen to. Uh, I can't pick up the guitar and and play you anything either. used to be pretty mean at at Alan Jackson's Living on Love, but that was about it. That was all I had in my repertoire, right? Because I didn't discipline myself. I didn't sit with the strings making calluses on my fingers. I, I didn't sit hunched over the piano banging the keys over and over but Ethan can come up here and he can sit down at that piano and he can play. And he's free to do so because he disciplined himself in it. There was a point in his childhood where probably I can hear Stacy saying, Ethan, go practice your piano. Austin can come and he can pick up that guitar and he can, he can play that guitar. And if you watch him, a lot of times he's, he's not looking at where his fingers are going. I mean, even when I was really good at Alan Jackson's little song there, I was looking and it was slow between, right? But Austin has disciplined himself for that. Discipline produces freedom. If you and I want to take seriously this business of walking with God and being like Him, First Timothy 4.7 says, train yourself. For the purpose of godliness. See if he doesn't make you free. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus we love you. God I thank you that you love us. Lord I, I, I pray that you would supernaturally. Um, take the words of this sermon. And God that you would. Um, apply them. That you would cause them to sink deeply. Into um, hearts and lives. They would bring about Your intended effect. God that you would show yourself to be glorious in your grace toward us. Lord that you would flex. Lord that you'd flex your compassion. You'd flex your mercy today. Lord you'd flex your grace. You'd flex conviction. God that you would you would flex so that we might see you to be glorious. And that we might leave those things that we have sought joy in, and God, that we might find them ultimately in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you an opportunity to respond today. Uh, Maybe the Lord has really moved on your heart with something in particular. Um, A need to be more disciplined. Um, Maybe maybe a need to follow him altogether. Maybe, Maybe the Spirit of God has put within you a true questioning of, do I really believe God? Am I really trusting Him? Whatever the Lord is leading you to today, uh, please uh, be obedient to that today. As I said, in, in two or three weeks, on Wednesday nights, we're going to offer this, walking through the spiritual discipline. Some of you may just simply be saying, this all sounds great, I want to go, but I don't know how. Then uh, come see us, we'll get you some help. That's a great option we'll point you to as well. Um, let me just ask you, Whatever God leads you to, as the musicians lead us to respond, you respond with a yes. Let's worship Him. This time of teaching is brought to you by Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com.